Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com and use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit. Endo decoded report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestion, endo aligned product matching in your state, suggested dosage guidelines, and optimum methods of administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeka soft gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeka Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. What's up, everyone? Thanks for joining for another episode of Canvas Legalization News, uh, Sunday's edition at 3 p.m. on Sundays. Uh, today, we're joined by Chris J. from South Africa Normal and Jeremy Acton from the Daga Party for an international episode of Canvas Legalization News. So let's just get right to it. Tom and Miggy, how's everybody doing? Chris and Jay, thanks for joining us. I know it's 10 p.m. there. So thanks for yeah. coming to speak the good word. Yeah. Yeah, we appreciate it so much that uh, here's some more good words for the people that are watching, liking, and subscribing. Lauren, can you tell them how they can email and get a handful of Bovida packs? And I'm also going to throw in a Dube Tube. The Dube Tube has cannabisindustrylawyer.com. If you have any questions, go to that. And of course, it also has our YouTube channel, Cannabis Legalization News. Today, we have another international edition. So thankful for having. Uh, Chris J from South Africa Normal and Jeremy Acton from the DAC Party of South Africa. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having Thanks, us. So, what, what, what is the DAC Party? Can you guys help explain that? Okay, the DAC Party was formed by some citizens who supported uh, the legalization of cannabis in South Africa. We got together in 2009 in Robertson in the Western Cape of South Africa, and we adopted our logo and uh, constitution and uh, started like communicating and, and mobilizing together. And then about two years later, we tackled our first little mini election for the local municipality in 2011. Uh, since then, we got involved in the court case, which changed the laws in South Africa. So during that time, we weren't really politically active. We were more in the courts and legally Right. So the Dagger Party came before normal out in Africa or South Africa, rather? I think normal was before the Dutch party, yes. Oh. I think, yes. In South Africa, though, as far as the presence goes? Sorry, Miggy? Oh, as far as the presence in South Africa, was uh, the DAGA party the, the, the first uh, pro-legalization party, or did normal actually show up there beforehand? 
I think normal. I think normal was there before. I definitely was. Normal was started in about 2007, 2008. Oh. So what is the legal status of DAGA or uh, cannabis or marijuana uh, in South Africa today? Sorry, that broke up. You were, did oh. you ask what is the legal yes. status? Yes. Is it legal or is it illegal in, in South Africa? Uh, in South Africa, you may legally cultivate it and possess it and use it at home privately as an adult. There's no limit on the amount that you may cultivate as long as it's for your own personal consumption. Uh, you may not trade. Uh, you may carry cannabis on your person and in your vehicle and in your personal uh, hand luggage or bag. Uh, but excessive quantities will land you up in a police station to answer to a magistrate. Wow. Is, is, is it true? Okay. So like you said, you, you might get, you, the magistrates might come after you. How much is too much? How many grams? Um, well, I believe that uh, a person should be allowed to carry perhaps a month's worth of smoking materials on them at any time. And so for me, that would be about uh, 500 grams. About a pound. About a pound. That's pretty cool. So, um, yeah. They call That's it a pound. They call it grow and give. So grow and give is in Washington, D.C. It's also, I think, in Maine. Uh, and so why can't you sell cannabis in South Africa if it's legal? Uh, Chris, Jay, from Normal, why can't you sell cannabis? Um, well, to put me on the spot like that, <clears throat> you, can't, you can't sell cannabis. They, they decriminalized the, the law to say that... Um, you can't sell it, but you can use it. It's for your own private use. Um, but people are selling it. There are a lot of um, things happening online, offline, grow shops, um, um, and, and markets. Actually, markets markets online with, with cryptocurrencies um, listed by sellers, and, and it's, it's really becoming a big big market for, for quality cannabis. It was amended in your constitution, right? Is that the, the, the law, the legal status right now? How it happened? It's in the process of being, it's the framework that's being, that they're putting in place. I think it's, it's scheduled for September sometime um, for a, a legal regulated cannabis framework. Um, um, but it hasn't been changed in law. Uh, but in South Africa in particular, it is legal for possession, but you can't sell the seeds, right? You can't, no, you, you can't cannot sell, the, sell seeds, the seeds. It's considered of the cannabis plant. Any part of the cannabis plant is illegal if you want to sell it or trade it. Okay, so I want to go grow my, my 500 grams of cannabis legally in South Africa. Do I have to go into the woods and find a land race? Because I hear that South Africa, like uh, Durban Poison, like they, you guys have storied famous sativa land races down there. How am I supposed to get a seat? Yes, we do. 
Well, you just ask your friends for the, the seeds from the good stuff that they grew last year. And if you, I believe that if you privately transact in a private space as private consenting adults, then no one's got a thing to say about what you're doing. So, yes, maybe the seed is illegal, technically but we consider ourselves to be part of a cannabis culture and we have a right to exercise our culture uh, even though the court didn't recognize our culture they only recognize privacy rights so we'll act within privacy rights and get our seeds and get growing that, that's interesting so you're, you're, you're protecting the, can, the, the cannabis laws have come about for you guys more of a of a privacy act a personal issue not a uh, civil rights issue? Is that where I'm kind of getting? That's correct, yes. I don't know. I think privacy is a civil right. And if you don't got privacy, you ain't got much, man. Well, you know, they just passed that. Okay. Yes, uh, we have a section 14 rights to privacy. And they gave it to us on the section 14 right to privacy in our home. And then we appealed against that because we also have privacy in person in our physical body space and in our possessions, according to our constitution. Now, the court hasn't, uh, the judgment is in effect, and if the state doesn't make law by September, uh, the judgment becomes the law. So we are enjoying the processes of that uh, change already. That's fascinating. Like in Illinois, uh, or in America, we have this thing called activist judges where you don't want them legislating from the bench, where the, the judiciary's role is to just say what the law says, not to make new law. But in this instance, it sounds like if you know the, the court ordered something, it sounds more like Mexico, where the court orders the legislature to do something. And if they don't, then it just becomes law. Um, where did that governance idea come from? You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. I think that they almost knew that the state is going to drag its heels and not create the legislation on time and that the people who came to the court for their rights shouldn't be prejudiced by delays. So uh, that's why they put that in. It is a very helpful uh, situation, I must say. I got a question because you, you talked about cannabis culture, and, and so that's what you you guys. Are, I mean, I, and I see you developed a great culture out there with your protests, with the dad couple got arrested and whatnot. But your history too for cannabis in in South Africa. Can you tell me more about that? Because I used to joke when I used to be in the Navy and I go to uh, uh, Malaysia or something, and I would see people from India all over as laborers. And I know the the, the laborers in India in Africa were the ones that brought the seeds out there. Is there any other, like, original land races, though? What was the original uh, cannabis culture for you guys? Like, Bob Marley used to go to Ethiopia, but that's about it. What, what else is you guys? Do you want to answer, Chris, or can I? Why don't you guys both play uh, in uh, on that? I'll share, I'll share what I yes, know. Sir. Maybe Chris can... Um, we know that cannabis originated in the Russians, uh, Central Russian or Asian continent, uh, like north of Afghanistan and India. Um, 
and it was traded down into India and Arabia. And a lot of trading boats came down the east coast of Africa all the way to the Cape of uh, Cape Town. Uh, and a lot of cannabis seed was really being traded into the hinterland of, from the east coast. And uh, when the Dutch arrived to colonize at the west, at the Cape Town, What's, can uh, we, uh, they were... We're not quite sure when the Dutch arrived, to be honest. Over here in America, can you tell us when the Dutch arrived? The Dutch arrived, well, the Portuguese were coming past in about 1480. Um and uh, the Dutch arrived to form a, a, a food company and a, a, a station to uh, replenish ships in 1652. Uh, and they met local Khoi people who were mostly chewing cannabis, whereas the Dutch themselves were smoking it in, in long, uh, elegant clay, leg slender pipes. Wait a minute. Uh, and so Are you uh, so you guys have a cannabis culture of smoking cannabis, and the indigenous people were chewing the cannabis 400 years ago in 1625? That's correct. Um, smoking was already established amongst the, uh, the Bantu people, that is the Nguni tribes, the black African people. But uh, apparently uh, the Khoi people in the Western Cape were chewing it more and, and uh, not so much smoking it. But obviously once they met the Dutch, they also began smoking it because the pipes were exchanged and everything like that. Wow, think um, about but, that. Like, is this why Amsterdam, like this, this is why you tune into Cannabis Legalization News and if you're learning something, give us them thumbs up and uh, hit the subscribe button because you just learned that 400 years is how long South Africa has had a cannabis culture. And, well, again, where's where's Amsterdam? The Dutch. You know? Is that why Amsterdam's Amsterdam's? Because they colonized South Africa in uh, 1620? That's an interesting question. I don't know. Yeah, another thing, you know, I want to just also add that the, when the Dutch came here, the, the sails of the ships was made of hemp cloth. And the sailors' uniforms was hemp cloth, and there's ropes, and the corking between the planks of their ships was hemp uh, cord um, with hemp oil in the in the hemp cordage. Uh, so there was a, 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 a cultural use from the indigenous people, but the Europeans had already used it for industry and shipping. And for their conquest, uh, there's quite a broad uh, range of how hemp actually arrived at the Cape of Good Hope in South Africa. It was a, it was a, a major part of uh, that event. It was literally how people got here. That's fascinating. Okay, so um, what type of strain do you find grow well outdoors in South Africa? Um, who grows? Chris, do you grow? Jeremy, do you grow? I grow. Yes, no, I grow. I love growing. You can grow unbelievable. Um, you can grow unbelievable weed in our climate, South Africa. We've got that thing um, called the Dacha Belt, and that's almost the most perfect tropical, good rainfall, um, um, long summer, hot summer um, months regions, and, and that covers half of Southern Africa. And it goes from um, Eastern Cape 
the whole way through Lesotho, up, up to Swaziland, through Natal, up to Mozambique and Zimbabwe, um, where statistics like in 2003, we were the fourth largest producer um, in the world of cannabis, those Southern African countries combined. What type of uh, cultivars and seeds, strains, what type of strains do you uh, grow uh, in South Africa? A huge, a wide variety, um, Tom. Um, a lot of European Dutch genetics that have been coming here since the 1980s. Um, um, I think there's still a lot of African genetics here, but I think they're hybridized with the European and, and certainly to a degree American genetics. Um, but but talking what we were talking about earlier, the, the history of Southern Africa, I think we also got a lot of hemp um, yeah. from the um, the Indian side of, of the hemp coming from from the Middle East. Um, I think that's combined into a lot of our strains too. Wow. You know, I think we'd be remiss, you know, for the people who are just ignorant of that DAGA is cannabis, but what does DAGA come from, the word? Um, some people think that it came from a very deep root word of the sand people, which was tata, which meant inebriated or intoxicated. Uh, there is the word in the Khoi language called dacha or dachab, uh, which generally represented this plant. Uh, and so when the uh, uh, Afrikaans government wanted to oppress this uh, plant, it was officially made illegal in 19, I think it was 1923 by Jan Smuts, the Prime Minister for the British Crown. And, oh, the head um, British again. The darn British. 1921. Yes. So your prohibition on cannabis predates the prohibition in uh, America by uh, over 10, 15 years. What did they call it? Did they use the word cannabis or did they call it daga or did they call it marijuana? What did they call it? It, it was called daga, just like in America, the word marijuana was a local colloquial word used by Mexican people, uh, which then the oppressors took on in order to disguise what this plant really was because everyone knew it was, uh, everyone didn't know that. Uh, marijuana was cannabis um, so I think those oppressors we used the same tactics here in South Africa and the Dachab word became Dacha and the word Kha in Afrikaans in South Africa is an expression of disgust so the word Dacha became a very disgusting emotional word for everybody and the press loved it the police loved it uh, but now we're taking that word back uh, for our own purposes. Whenever they report on us, they must use the word Dacha. Uh, and uh, the Dacha party is uh, uh, obviously more memorable by using that word than saying hemp or cannabis, we hope. Yeah, I like that aspect of it, like taking the word back and not being scared of it, like with marijuana. But in, in, in ours, it's like a literally still the, the term of law. So like in South Africa, if you regulated uh, cannabis or if you legalized it, you know, does it say like Daha or, or does it say cannabis for their laws? Because in America, the law still has the, the pejorative word as what's prohibited at the federal level, marijuana with an H. 
Our schedules of our drug laws calls it cannabis. Mm. They yes. also mention dronabinol and tetrahydrocannabinol as substances separate from the plant. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, all right. Chris, what about this one? Can you help Paul out? You know, South yes. African varieties. Yes, Paul. yes. I see Paul Morona from, he's from Ecuador. Um, he's a buddy on growersnetwork.org. And um, yeah, he's been talking a lot about these varieties that grow well in hot climates. I would say Durban poison, all the sativas. Um, that they are are very well naturalized and localized to grow in in the hot hot tropical. That's cool. We don't really get many sativas uh, where I'm at because it's a business, and so the sativas they take a long time to flower, and it's just not as profitable to try to grow sativas where you might need to keep that plant in flower for an extra month when you want to turn it over and make that money. So we have a lot of hybrids that uh, they harvest between like 55, oops, hit my mic, 55 and like 75 days. And like some of those sativas, they might take 90 days plus. So if you're growing outdoor, I mean, you can let that, you can let the plant kind of go, you know, and just harvest it when it's ready, right? Yes, you can let it go 13 to 15, 16 weeks, uh, uh, a pure sativa. Um, I mean, people are still harvesting now. We we almost ripen them in, into winter now, and people are still harvesting. Uh, we actually have a, a troll on our on our uh, Facebook page right now. Like he's just like leaving all this. Uh, I, I really hope it, I really hope it's about prejudice and marijuana. You know, it's Kevin Sabat, bro. Oh, that would be awesome if Kevin Sabat is trolling us. That would be like a lifelong dream. Okay, um, for you guys down in South. Um, uh, Africa. Here in America, we have a guy called Kevin Sabat and Smart Approach Against Marijuana that, that still lobbies for the prohibition, the illegalization, the, the the criminalization, and like you know punishing people by arrest and taking all their stuff. Uh, do you still have the prejudice down in South Africa against the cannabis plant? Yes, we do. Yeah. Terrible, terrible people. Do you think that's one of the reasons uh, why you're not allowed to sell it? Uh, I think they just don't, they didn't want to condone a free-for-all market situation while the legislation was pending. I think um, uh, the prejudice against cannabis still shows up in parental um you know, parents who have separated and are now wanting to talk about custody of children, cannabis is still used against the cannabis user as a reason for not having a right to their children. But that that is slowly uh, changing. Um, and, uh, yeah, so uh, the... the, the um, uh, you know, uh, sorry. The, the, no, no, that's, the, that's the amount that you make. It literally happened in America, and so like it's 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 fascinating to see the exact same history somewhat playing out on a different continent, same plant, same story. And uh, now in Illinois, those types of chicaneries amongst like feuding uh, parents that are divorcing and bitter toward one another. They really don't fly, but um, uh, Miggy, what were we talking about? Uh, DCS out there with uh, mothers again, mothers for marijuana. 
Yeah, last week we talked with Sarah Frank, and we were talking about how marijuana is still yep. weaponized in, in things. But also, when we talk about your guys' law, when we talk about South Africa, it's just South Africa, right? You guys, South Africa itself is divided like the United States. Am I correct? Where you know, no, you have- actually, um, uh, it, it would be more like no. Europe. But well, regionally wise, they're, if they're like literal states. They're their own countries. Mm. So, like, they're a country at the bottom, and then they would have provinces. Wait, do you guys, uh, does South Africa have a province or states? Yes, uh, Mickey, we have- we've got provinces um, and we've got landlocked kingdoms. Um, Lesotho and Swaziland are both within the South African borders, and, and South Africa landlocks it with our provinces. I think we've got about five or seven provinces and Lesotho and Swaziland within our borders. And so just in South Africa, it's legal, but if I were to go to North Africa, totally different rules, right? Yes, different rules for every country. Mostly illegal. Mostly legal or illegal? Illegal. Uh, prohibited, yeah. yeah. With your guys' rich history, though, um, do you see, like, the hemp production coming up? You know, we had a guest on months ago who was talking about uh, hemp from Africa, and because th- th- there's such a low, you know, it's a poor economy in some parts where, like, you can't afford pesticides, so you can say, hey, look, pesticide-free. Uh, is that in South Africa? Do you see a booming hemp coming? Uh, I think that we might use our indigenous land race, the tibers, which are actually quite reasonably high THC, but I really don't want to see awful hemp, low THC, contaminating uh, everybody's grows and lowering the quality of seeds. We must rather go for a high THC dacha plant, which gives us the fibers and the medicine and the seed and the oil all in one plant. And yeah, because yes, like, we need because uh, we have a... We have, well, you're right, but like we have hemp farmers on, and so they'll talk about like the difference between how far apart you place you plant the seed. So if you just have enough of your land raised seeds and you plant it, you know, every so many centimeters, it really has to grow up because it can't get all bushy. Uh, and the sativa, sativa uh, those are the taller plants. The indica are usually the more squat ones, so it kind of makes sense, except. Uh, somebody could come along and cut off the flowering tops of the female plant and uh, have some fun. How terrible. No problem with that. I've got no problem with that at all. Jeremy, should be I love- both. We should get many crops out of one grow. And maybe we planted very close together. Then we might cut alleys in the area and leave some plants to go to a greater maturity uh, or prune them down and let them bush out. And in a similar grow season, you might get uh, fiber as well as seed, as well as some uh, uh, medical bug as well, you know. Um, I don't have a problem with uh, seed in my bud, but maybe a medicine uh, extraction might. Some people might have a problem with that, I'm not sure. Right. If I'm going to put it into the extractor, I don't want a whole bunch of seeds in there. You know, I, I, the seed has its has its uh, industrial application for certain. So it's it's whether or not you want to have the seed. But then that's why you grow it in different types of ways. However, like uh, the seed issue would still come up if you have such outdoor grown. And so, like, if you're going to have uh, fields of it, 
where you're not going to care about sexing, sexting the plant and yanking all the males and you kind of try to grow it like hemp, uh, that pollen will still be floating around. So if you have some uh, Sinsimilia um, uh, grow three miles down the road, you might get seeds uh, in those as well. Of course, I think you guys call it kilometers down there, right? We call it kilometers, yes. Um, yeah, not us. And there's, many, yeah, lot, there's lots of daddy grows growing males, and it's terrible. It makes all our females outdoors seeded, and it's a thing we need to teach Mm -hmm. Every single person. People are lazy after they leave males. Often they leave males. Cross pollination is definitely an issue. So, is most grows are outside then in South Africa? Like, what's your uh, weather cycle like out there? In what sense weather cycle? I mean, like, uh, what's the temperature? How much? How much rain do you get? That type of stuff. Um, well, we're looking at solstice. Uh, I mean, here where I am, we get a, we, we have a very low rainfall area for South Africa, um, but we're in a good growing region, and we get about 600 to 700 mils um, per year of, of rainfall. Um, uh, That's you know, a good the, the low rainfall region where we don't really get much rain at all during June, July. And then it picks up over the spring summer months and we get the summer rainfall. So in the dry season you have to maintain, obviously, but it's still sunny enough what not to grow outside. Yes, we can grow. You can grow, you can get here in the eastern case. The bud comes out quite airy, it's very small, uh, but you can get about four harvests per annum. Four growing so, cycles. Is it year long then outside? Sounds like it. Like in well, California. One of, the last things, one of the last things about growing outdoors here is that I've seen fantastic indoor strains standing three meters high, full extent, unpruned in any way. Wow. Um, they're normally uh, best formed, from what I can see, under white shade cloth because you want to also stop helicopters from looking down onto the plants. So I think it's about 60% shade uh, cloth, a white shade cloth gives us amazing diffused light. And the plants really like it. And so um, under that kind of arrangement, I've seen lots of similar happening, uh, but maybe uh, the locals in the area weren't also growers, you know, the, the, of course, fantastic growers. Yeah, that would help. Like if nobody's growing any, any other plants around you, yeah, because then it's the pollen's going to be not in the air or as likely to be in the air. How much yield do you get from one of those three-meter monsters? Did anything get... Um, anything above, I would say, 500 grams a monitor, outdoor sativa. Mm. Anything over between half a, half a kilo and um, a kilo. Wow. A, a, pound, a, pound. a kilo, a plant. That would be pretty cool. So yes. just... <laughs> I love You've got to be prepared Grow the plants from early, early on in the growing season, which for us is any time after the winter solstice, after, uh, uh, say, the 1st of July, and grow them large all the way to Christmas time uh, and into uh, the February, March of the next year before A you really get the... Plant? Wow. Mouthfuls. 
Okay, so that's, uh, that's when you can't use lighting schedules to actually force flowering you outdoors. So that's, you're going with the sun. And uh, that's when you max the grow season and water as much as you can to get them as big as you can by the time they go to flower. But uh, your guys' climate, though, is very nice all year round. It's uh, temperate, you know, 20 to 30 Celsius. Yes, hot, nice and hot. High UV, ultraviolet. Um, and uh, as long as you're giving it the water, you're going to get really good terpenes and flavors. And if your genetics is going to allow you, it shows up well here. Right. Uh, before this, uh, the, the, the pandemic, um, I know like right now they're trying to get your, rec your, your market uh, structured right now. But do you guys have public consumption spaces down there at all? What, what, anywhere safe to do that at? Sorry, the I missed the words. Uh, do we have markets? Did you ask? Did you we have like bars where you can go smoke weed. Like weed lounges. Bars. Yeah. I do know that there are private clubs where, where the privacy rule has been used by people who get together to smoke. They pay mm. a membership fee. Um, they go to pay a, a, quite a lot of money for expensive weed that might not be the best for the money, but they're happy to socialize in that context. And they're doing those clubs are, have a faithful support. But uh, I think we're still really uh, loner stoners sitting at home smoking our weed and not really building larger groups and events except the odd, odd Dacher Day that is organized in, in Johannesburg um, once a year. But that was cancelled because as a result of the pandemic. Well, how, how often have you had Dacher Day? That sounds pretty awesome. Uh, that is organized by the Dacher couple up in Joburg and it's been going for about five years on uh, the nearest day to uh, the 20th of April, 420. Uh, and there, uh, approximately four to six to eight thousand people will gather for music, uh, food, uh, events, and uh, the smoking of weed. And there's dab rigs where you can pay 30 uh, rand. That's our currency. It's like you got something from you, but America paying, putting $30 down and having the biggest rip on a dab rig, and then uh, once your friends have all laughed at you, uh, then you go back to the back of the queue in order to get another hit in, by the time you get, you know, you, people go from the from their hit to the back of the queue, so they can queue again. A rand those are how many dollars? Let's see here. Right, like a one U.S. dollar equals how many rand? 18 rand, about. Yeah, but I think if you were going to do a dab uh, at a bar, it would probably be about 30 bucks because like how many it would it would depend on the weight of the dab. You know, if you want a half a gram dab, that's easily going to be 30 bucks. <laughs> you mean 30 American dollars or 30, yeah, 30 American dollars? So it'd be 30 times 18 rand. Nah, man, I pay three dollars here in the United States back $3 in the day. for a dab. Yeah, you just because the thing that's the, the extract. Yeah, you buy a gram a dab. extract for seventy-five bucks. No, 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 just a dab. Like, 
I'm sorry, go ahead, Chris. A, a, dab, a dab you'd be able to get for a, maybe $4. You'd be able to get a dab. Yeah, that sounds about right. They get a big slab. How, how much does a dab weigh? Uh, they'll put, give you about half. They'll offer uh, maybe about 0.2 to 0.5 of a, of a gram. 0.2 to 0.5 of a gram. But as soon as you cough and stop uh, using it, that's the end of your dab. Hmm. So you've got to know what to do in that context. But, but it sounds like Johannesburg is pretty uh, accepting of uh, the cannabis culture then. They are very much organized and they're into their branding of products and medibles and, and it's way uh, more business orientated up in Johannesburg in the movement. Yes. There's lots of social clubs. That's what I was thinking, because, I mean, you don't have storefronts yet, so you, a, a place to smoke would be nice or, or, or socialize, but, uh, you know, and you'll get there, I guess, when the time comes, but since Johannesburg sounds like Seattle to me, as far as, like, you have that one city that's willing to let everybody do a thing, uh, and chaos does not happen. Uh, Tom was at the last Seattle Hemp Fest, and uh, fortunately, he got to see one before uh, this stuff, but um, I kept telling him, it's like, this is the most anti-climatic thing like you get excited for a pot thing and then you do it and you're like fucking nothing happens this is this is kind of boring actually is there good music on or is... in, in, in the western cape yeah we have a um, club called the helderberg herbal club um and uh, we generally gather in outdoor venues like on um wine farms or somebody's farm where there's a bra uh, barbecue area and uh, maybe about 50 or 60 stoners will descend on one place and barbecue together and smoke together and trade. And uh, we pop up in various areas because um, there's no fixed venue. It's, we keep it flexible. But well, that's great. Yeah, let's talk about prices of dabs in Illinois. Like, this is one of the nice things about our, our legal rubric here in our, my state. I can go buy this right now. Like, I can check out on this website right now. This is my medical uh, dispensary, but I can get a gram of live resin for 75 I can get a gram of sugar for $65 American. These are American dollars. Uh, the Rick Simpson's oil is uh, for gram is about... $55. Yep. There's a gram of, uh, you know, OG perps from Verano. That's uh, 60 bucks. But uh, so like, you know, that's why I was saying like, I bet it would be like $30 for, for a dab in Illinois because $30 American, not, uh, not, not in Rand, you know, convert that into Rand. But uh, if I'm paying $60 for medical prices, 60 to 75 American dollars for one gram of extract and a dab is 0.2, let's say I, I do a, a quarter, a quarter of that. I, I, I quarter it. I have 4.25 dabs. So that's uh, each dab is $15. Like that's no markup. You're not going to like heat up the rig or anything. But $15 market price, not $15 from the concentrate guy who probably cost him $5 to make it. Oh, no, no. That guy doesn't have a license, man. He can only make the concentrate. He can't sell the concentrate. But they say you get the good prices. 
concentrates for about eight to ten dollars. If you find good guys, at good social clubs, um, you'll find it for that. About eight to ten dollars, you'll get a tractor or a wax or a bubble wow. hash or something. Nope. You got to multiply that price by six. Those are my prices. But it's legal. You can buy it. Like I showed you the website. I can right now go to that website, buy that, get in my car, go pick it up. Because you can't get delivery in Illinois. Not yet. But eventually, when we do have delivery, I can buy it from the dispensary. They'll come in and then they'll probably just drop it off, make sure that I have my card if I got my medical or, you know, that I'm over 21. Is, is that the kind of uh, structure you guys will be having, you think, as far as right now the, with the government uh, figuring out the market? Are they going to create a uh, concentrate and flower market for you guys? I think they're going to do the, they're going to do their absolute best to completely stifle any development, any medical use, uh, any industrial use. The goal of the judgment itself was just to tell us to go back home and sit in your corner and smoke your cannabis, but don't pester us about a commercial use or industrial manufacturing from hemp fibers or anything. Uh, our government has no interest in developing this beyond uh, the fact that if anyone gets a medical license, it's with the most difficulty uh, and uh, with the most amount of um, refusals possible by our government. There is no interest in this government. There are individuals who express interest, but the system does not want to see it because our government is controlled by the big pharmaceutical companies and other corporations that benefit from the prohibition. In the meantime, little guys will get rich, right? Yeah, right. No, no, there's nobody. There's no little guys. Chris, what are you showing us down there? Let's blow Chris up. Okay. Well, this, this book, um, this booklet is just short of about 100 pages. And it was written by a very um, influential um, woman of cannabis here in South Africa, Myrtle Clark, half of the Dacher couple, and the Fields of Green for All, and lots of other people contributed to this 100 pages of one of the best frameworks um, of a cannabis policy. And, and it, it includes rural farmers, it includes businesses, medical, recreational. Um, yeah, and it's called the Full Spectrum Manifesto for Policy Reform, Cannabis in South Africa, the People's Plant. And you can get it from Fields of Green for All, um, .org .data. Fascinating. Well, I got to the plug real quick. Uh, if you guys haven't liked and subscribed yet, you should. Because uh, and then click the bell. You'll get notice of this tomorrow. It's the dry trim versus wet trim challenge. And you just look at how silly that that thumbnail is. Uh, our thumbnail guy, uh, NetArt, is his handle Slack channel. He outdid himself. So um, tomorrow, because one of the things, and I guess we can talk to you guys about this because you're both growers. When you harvest, how do you trim your marijuana or your gaga or your cannabis, as I like to call it? How do you trim it? Do you hang it to dry or do you just trim it wet? Chris, you want to start on that one? Sure. Um, I've, I've literally planned my entire life around trimming, really, because it's a hell of a big job. Um, so it's either wet or dry. I just try to keep up with it. Eh? I really do. It's not 
I don't I don't really have a preference. I think there are much better ways to trim either dry uh, certain strains with, with dry trimming and certain strains with wet trimming. But harvest season, I just try and keep on top of it all. Huh? What about you, Jeremy? How do you like to trim your cannabis? That's up in the rafters of my garage. My uh, uh, and I do take off all the leaves except the sugar leaves, which I allow to dry and kind of go around the buds themselves. And I will pick them off later, but uh, I prefer to have the sugar leaves stay on the plant. And I'm also one of those growers who uh, passes on the seeds of my strain um, to the next season and other growers. And so I harvest, I leave all my males in. Um, I select the best males based on terpenes and strength of growth. Uh, and then I let them pollinate the females, and I take uh, the seeds out of my smoke. I roll them out on a piece of paper, and I put them in, uh, catalog, catalog them, and then um, uh, smoke what else, what is, what is left, the flowering material. So I'm happy with the way I do things. It's not quite the connoisseur's approach. Uh, you know, the CBD uh, movement in America, that's only about really 10 years old. Charlotte's Web was a strain that really only came around in 2011. Uh, and that really helped push the needle for legalization. Does South Africa have any CBD or medical cannabis initiatives that might uh, speed forward the, the full legalization? Um, you know... Uh, I'm not a great believer in, in single extracts from this plant. Uh, CBD is appreciated by, by more conservative folks who are rather dealing with anxiety and overactive type of children um, uh, but, and, and, and people who um, for perhaps have epilepsy as well. But I believe that the whole plant extract like Rick Simpson oil is always a better choice to go with um, for whatever ailment because there is a synergy between the THC and the CBD. But CBD apparently is available in certain uh, pharmacies in South Africa um, for those who want to buy it. Yeah. You know, I, I really appreciate both your guys' work in South Africa for both the message and just bringing South Africa up to the 21st century, at least. Do you guys think South Africa become uh, cannabis? What what uh, lens is for chocolate? Definitely, yes. Uh, Definitely. Without a doubt. We're big contenders for the top best cannabis in the world. Nice. Well, chocolate legal chocolate is legal so the world will have to legalize for our weed to become the, the cannabis like switzerland's chocolate uh, but oh. are, i mean south africa selling to america is probably trying to sell ice cream to inuit and <laughs> or ice because you guys are, are right up there with all of your uh movement and the uh, legalization initiatives in your states and uh, legal weed and uh, and the strains that you've got. I don't think South Africa could really sell uh, too much to America. Hey, uh, Chris, 
what does like you know speaking of that legalization aspect in South Africa, what does the legalization as a political process look like in in South Africa? However, I think that personally, my own opinion is just um, however corrupt. Um, I think it will fall in hands of of business and become a big business. Um, I'm just hoping that they make it, they keep it decriminalized for personal use, and they adhere to laws of privacy and and people are allowing to create their own small craft businesses around cannabis in in communities. Awesome. Awesome. Chris and Jeremy, I know it's late over there. Thank you so much for joining us today. Where can we go to uh, get involved with South Africa Normal or the Daga Party? The Daga Party's website is www.dagaparty.org.za. And uh, you can also meet us up, uh, join our Facebook page, Facebook forward slash uh, Daga Party, all one word. Awesome. And then, all right, yeah, we'll throw those links in the uh, description. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll uh, see you on Wednesday. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thank, Thank you. Thank you.